I just finished recording with Dan Petcher, a solutions consultant for Dialpad. This one I took a little different. We didn't focus on features and benefits and speeds and feeds and the technology widgetry that comes into most IT conversations, but instead tried to maintain a dialogue around business outcomes and business drivers, in this case related to phone systems and contact centers. What was fascinating about the conversation to me is really this exploration around analytics and data, being able to pull analytics and data and intelligence out of your interactions, whether that's a phone call or a chat or a message or, you know, something, whether it's inside of the company or external to the company and what you can glean from that information and how you use it. It was a fascinating conversation for myself. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, I'm Max Clark. This is an IT broker tech deep dive. I'm here with Dan Petcher, who is solutions consultant, not architect. Sorry, I was going to say architect. <laughs> solutions consultant with Dialpad. Um, and Dialpad is a, it does a whole bunch of different stuff. So we're going to get into this in a moment here. But um, if you follow Gartner, Dialpad is in the UCAS and CCAS space and is overlaying a lot of that with artificial intelligence. But as much as I want to talk about that, Dan, I want to talk about something else first. We're going to do this a little differently. It's going to be different from the normals. Let's see here. About six, seven years ago, I was um, meeting with a client and I had to look it up because their phone system was almost as old as I this is circa 2018-ish, and um, their phone system was running on a 46SX66. And it was the stereotype of you walk around the office and there's phones with like sticky notes on it. And, the, and, the, and it's like keys don't work or whatever. But, you know, here we go. We're, we're you know, this phone system is probably at that point, you know, been in this, in this business for easy 20 years. And a conversation started because this phone system was having problems and going down and they had a consultant that could come in and work on it for them in the mornings, but he could only show up at 6am in the morning and be there for 45 minutes before he went to his day job, which was not related to phones at all anymore. And, and I was talking with the, um, I was talking with the, the CEO of the company of like, you know, basically you guys should get ahead of this stuff. At that point, we weren't calling it UCAS yet. It was still hosted VoIP. But um, he said something to me that has sat with me ever since. And what he said was, we don't care about our phones. And I laugh about this because they were a phone-based sales business. They were interacting with their customers via their phones, their crews in the field via their phones, their suppliers via their phones. 100% of their business was phones. And I know this because every time their phone system went down, it was a big panic. Now, since that conversation, I've had plenty of conversations similar to that with people saying things along the lines of, effectively, we don't care about our phones or we don't care about our phone system or a more modern version of that being, we're just going to give everybody cell phones and they don't we don't need a phone system because everybody has a cell phone and that's how we're going to work. So, as somebody who is in this full time sitting in your seat, that's the foundation of the conversation I want. So, so Dan, we're having we're we're talking, I need a phone system and I tell you something along the lines of like I don't need phone. I don't need I don't care about phones or I tell you something like, "Oh, we're just going to give everybody, we're going to give everybody in our 200 person company cell phones and we're just going to use the cell phones." There's a lot that you miss with that. And so that's, I'm going to, I'm going to stop here and I'm just going to let you go for a little bit and then let's do this. I think, I think you stated the premise there uh, pretty well because they don't care about phones until they don't work. It's like, then it's like, well, why did this happen? Right? How do we fix this? How do we make sure they don't go down again? How do we make sure that even if they go down, we have a backup plan or, you know, some kind of redundancy built in. And uh, I think, you know, dial pad, especially this, the way we were designed, um, has a lot of those uh, things in mind. Craig Craig Walker very very much from the beginning. Um, you know, redundancy was important. Accessibility was important. Being able to just have the access that you need to do your daily activities. 
you know, over the phone. Um, the the cell phones can work. Obviously, it's it's a technology that's been around for a long time, and it, it's absolutely capable of of handling um, not only your everyday phone calls, but you know, it's a smartphone now. It can do all these other things that, that we had no idea was even possible, right? But I think the the important thing is to continue to continue your point, as you said. You lose a lot. You don't have visibility into you know, everyone's activities if it's just on a cell phone. Um, even with the, the old phones that have sticky notes and are, you know, don't unplug or don't turn off or uh, I've seen them all, right? I used to work for several other telco companies that, that we had, even internally, we had phones like that. But yeah, it's it's the visibility, it's it's understanding the infrastructure and making sure that, you know, we have things in place to to accommodate those situations when, when things happen, because things are going to happen, right? It's, it's inevitable. But just making sure that, that we've got the ability to, to stay on top of it and make sure that business continuity is, is there. Uh, it's extremely important. So um, I grew up in Southern California. So every few months I had to have a conversation with somebody related to the you know, 15.0 earthquake that was going to hit and take the city and you know, it was just going to be ocean. But I'm, I've yet to find um, you know, BCDR be a be real driver in behavior changes, even even in the event of outages. You know, if they're not already there where it's like we have a priority for this, it never it, 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 never, it never doesn't become a priority, right? Like you either either value certain things or you just don't. And if you don't value that thing, like having an outage for a day doesn't seem to be like, oh, we should make sure our phones don't go down again, you know, because they weren't they weren't that way in the first place. But what I kind of wonder about, and for me, it's not it's not about like physical phones on desks. It's more about like um what, what's the, what's the expression it's it's like you know the job is being done or we're getting it done or we're getting by and we don't know any different you know and it's it's and i don't i don't want to i don't get into this from like oh you know go into a cloud-based phone system gives you you know high availability or redundancy or all these different things because you know i mean a small percentage of people actually are, are shopping for that and they're aggressively out there in the market or they've already shifted so that's not like a a driving point for somebody to make a massive technology shift or, you know, platform change, right? It's it's more like I'm curious about these things that are like, you know, if you give everybody a cell phone, they can make and receive phone calls. Okay. So like your 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 core thing is, is like we can make and receive phone calls because everybody has a cell phone. But you're losing a lot without realizing that you're losing a lot. And you, you know, you, you bring up visibility as one which is interesting, but it's more than just visibility. There's a lot of other stuff that you lose, yes? Absolutely. Um I, I think I think the phrase I was thinking of when, when you asked what's the what's the phrase it's like almost just in time like just enough to keep things going right making making sure you got the phone calls making sure you've got the ability to answer phones it's just a basic business need and it's again just in time just make sure it works right just make sure that we've got something there that that our salespeople our support people can do the job it doesn't have to be the most redundant it doesn't have to be the, all the bells and whistles um, but no absolutely it's, it's not just visibility but it's also the the management of those individual devices if it's all spread out if it's everybody has their own individual individual cell phone there's really no way you know to to mass configure them to uh, make sure that everybody's utilizing them in the same way but then also how do you how do you get the personal text messages off of that cell phone right the the individual messages that somebody might be sending that you want insight into you don't have any you don't have any way of doing that and you're not going to have the person send you 100 screenshots of these conversations right why would you need that i think what if they leave i mean what if the person leaves and then you lose all that contact information for that individual uh maybe they don't turn their cell phone in or they factory reset it before you can get that information off of it right all of that data could be lost potentially um, because that person you know either did it maliciously or just didn't know uh, you can lose that information pretty easily that way um i don't care okay <laughs> why enough. is that important Fair right enough. 
I, I mean, I think it just. I'm serious. I'm going to be hostile with you on this sure. one, on, on this on this topic. I, you know, you signed up for this, so yeah, I'm going to be. Absolutely. I would. I, I'm going to play. I'm going to play the role here. We're going to do a little role play here. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> like why? You know, like oh, you know, what difference does that make? You know, sure. Maybe and maybe it doesn't. I mean, there are segments of the business where it doesn't necessarily matter. But if it's a prospecting or a sales organization that a person has, you know, a hundred conversations with about orders or about, you know, their guaranteed SLAs or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's going to be a problem if you don't have that historical data into that customer's profile, what, what they signed up for, what they agreed to when they expected things. Uh, you know, you could, if it's a hundred thousand dollar order, I mean, that's a, that's a good chunk of business that you could lose potentially because you don't have that information any longer. But if that doesn't matter, again, like you said, you know, I just think having a dispersed form of communication for lack of a better way of putting it, a non-unified communication system um, can be potentially damaging uh, just because, again, you don't you don't have that visibility into what's going on. Uh, being able to, to capture that information and then make decisions about what's actually happening can change your business. And we've seen that personally here uh, at Dialpad. Um, we've seen companies change the way they've done business because of the information that they are able to capture. Okay. What's an example? Uh, there's... I don't know how much I can name drop on a call. Don't, don't name drop. Just just give the give the use case. Absolutely, they're a, they're a customer of ours, and they utilized our contact center um, license, right? So they've they've got the transcription running, the recordings going for all of their contact center calls, and they are a high end retailer of a specific type of footwear. And it wasn't so much the products they were offering; it was the inquiries that customers were having about a product line they did not have. So they were running reports because anecdotally they were hearing stories, custom, you know, reps were saying, Oh, I think I heard this. Somebody asked me about this the other day. And I, I ran a, I ran a person or I ran a, a sales development team a couple of years ago and things happen like that all the time. People say, Oh, I heard this. Oh, I heard that. This might be an issue. This might be a thing. You'd have to go back and listen to the call, right? That could take an hour depending on where that was. Cause you couldn't really pinpoint it. Um, but what this company was able to do was to run a filter on all of their conversations over the last fiscal quarter. And and they found over 60,000 mentions of a product that they did not offer. Their competitors did. And then basically the, the rep either had to say, oh, I can't help you with that, but here's a product we do offer. Or they just say, we don't offer that. Sorry, go to, you know, go to somebody else. The contact center managers took it to, you know, their executive leadership. Executive leadership said, wow, there's an entire market share that we're missing out on. Our customers want this. Uh, not only is it now their most popular line of footwear, but it's also one of their highest margin products to produce. So it's kind of a, a multi-factor, almost an exponential amplifier of producing a, a product they didn't even know their customers wanted, but then also doing it at a margin where they're making you know great profits off of uh, the cost there for, for actually producing the item itself. That's not a conversation you have with an IT department. And um, I think that, and the lines between UCAS and CCAS, Unified Communications and Contact Center, the lines between Gartner's definition of UCAS and CCAS are becoming more and more blurred, right? You know, so Dialpad offers UCAS and it offers CCAS, but it's the same platform. It's not like you're going and getting a phone system and going and then getting a, a contact center platform, right? You're, you're integrated. But so the, the this example that you just gave, right? You know, if you're in a traditional procurement sourcing sales cycle, which, you know, is dominantly controlled by an IT team, right? How would you even surface that kind of, you know, outcome in in that selection process, right? Because an IT team isn't necessarily focused on what the, you know, salesperson is doing day to day. Like their job is to make sure that they can get access to the systems that the company has selected, make sure that they're working and 
you know, it's not necessarily, you know, selecting features or, or, or choosing, you know, it's like, that's, it's, it's a little disconnected in that way. Right. But saying, you know, Hey, here's a, here's a use case of a company that, um, was leaking revenue to competitors and was able to use our, our platform to generate intelligence to go out and actually change the product line to go out and a acquire more revenue, but stop leaking that revenue to, you know, and, and market share. You, you understand I'm a little flabbergasted. Like, how do you have that conversation? Like, where does that come up in the source of this? Because because like, oh, you know, do you have a DR? And what's your, what's your, what's your BCDR plans? And are you SOC compliant? And what devices do you run on? And do you have, you know, like, like that's the talk track that a lot of this stuff gets down to very quickly of like, you know, oh, we still want to use our phones. Can we use our physical phone? Like, you know, it's like, okay, great. The phones work, you know, can we move on and talk about something else? Right. Like, like how, how do you seg into that? Definitely. I think, you know, for me, when I'm talking to an IT, you know, CIO, CTO, what have you, I just your everyday IT guy, it's how long does it take you to provision users? How, how much of your time is spent creating a phone tree or rerouting a, a, an IVR? And for me, it's how many, again, how many applications are you utilizing, right? Is it a separate contact center application and then a UCAS application that you have to have two sets of login credentials, not just for the end users that you have to provision? But also as the admin, you have to maintain two separate portals. It's a different set of questions, right? I, I feel like sometimes to... I, I mean, I get that line of of interaction, but you're, you're, you're selling, you know, that point, you're, you're going down a path of saying, you know, personal pain that exists within the IT department that the, the rest of the organization doesn't recognize or care about, right? You know, like how long does it take you to provision a new phone? Like the sales, the CRO, the CMO, the CEO, I mean, like they don't care about that. Like this isn't like driving business for, I mean, it's, you can, you can get into it from like saying we're trying to improve efficiency or trying to drive down costs, but like that's, that's not like nobody's having a board meeting saying, oh, we've increased the time to provision a phone by 42%, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, well, okay. Let me take a different angle then. Um, from an IT person's perspective, how often are you resetting passwords or somebody gets locked out and you don't know how to quantify? Maybe maybe we can redirect what kind of internal trainings are happening because these same five issues keep coming up all the time because people keep doing these the, the wrong steps with their with their computers and their and their personal devices internally, right? That's another aspect of IT that if there's some sort of internal help desk that they have to call, we can capture that and quantify it to say, okay, you know, the IT team needs to, needs to spend less time troubleshooting these things. And here's how much time they're spending currently, right? What can we do to improve the end user experience for the everyday user? So let's say it's a mid-market company and you've got 2,000 employees. Mm -hmm. You know, at 2,000 employees, you're probably running, I, I mean, I don't know, I'm, I'm hoping that you've got 20 people in IT at that size. Um, actually, they'd be high. You'd probably be like 12 to 15-ish. You know, it's just kind of like a normal ratio. So thinking about the revenue being generated from a 2000 person company and the expense of maintaining a 12 to 15 person IT team and department, you know, relative to that revenue or the rest of the operations, is that a selection process that's going into and really changing how a CFO is purchasing a phone system or approving a phone system purchase, right? You know, that organization, it's not the, the technology infrastructure of that company is reporting into some line of business. Usually it's the finance team, right? And is that IT director or VP coming to the CFO and saying, hey, you know, we're going to we're gonna save our ticketing time 15% in order if we implement this thing for our users? Like, or I, I don't, I, what I'm saying is, is like, I don't feel like that to me, it's a fantastic thing to have but that's not a like oh my god we gotta get this system right today you know like now like 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 holy smokes like 
like stop everything, throw that other thing out. Let's go. Let's go put this into place. Right. A really interesting way of putting it. But I think you know you may need to if it's a CFO you're talking to and you can tell them how much time and, and effort we can save in IT, I do think that would register. Um, but just being able to quantify it, right, I, I think is the important piece. Um, that I, I think that would resonate with that with that CFO, right? Because if it's IT team spending way too much time in the weeds doing repetitive mundane tasks, like that's not what we're paying them for, right? We're trying to make sure that they're, you know, maintaining the infrastructure, doing the things that they need to be doing to, to make sure the company's running, pro- you know, in the right way. Uh, this is this isn't like an anti-IT thing for me. This is just a yeah, no, I, how the organization thinks about this stuff, right? So if we if we limit this to saying um, the difference between having some sort of on-prem system that you've probably fully depreciated, or you're in subscription support agreements, you know, you've got a, um, a, a Cisco Unified call, you know, you've got a Cisco call manager, you've got a whatever on-premise, right? It's a big forklift. It's a big forklift for a company to go down these paths, right? So I don't I don't see. You know, so my reaction to that, again, in the context of my, you know, my, my, my COO friend from, from back in the days, I don't see this being like, oh, we're going to improve your IT department's like response time being the driving factor to get off of your phone system when you look at it and, and you have to like then quantify that in terms of like, you know, a TCO or an ROI evaluation being like, oh, you know, we're going to make our IT, you know, like that's that, that I, what I'm, what I'm looking for is like, what is, what is the organization, you know, and, and I think we get stuck very easy when you're in, when you're in tech to start talking about like, oh, you know, the, the features are so great or the technology is so cool or we can do this thing and we can do that thing. And what, what gets disconnected really quickly is if you're if you're in tech, you care about this stuff because it's awesome. But if you're not in tech, you're like, who cares? And and so I'm 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 really fascinated and curious about like this, like. Okay, you've given an example of a CCAS company that was was leaking revenue, but like, so that's specific to CCAS. Like, how does this? How would this fit inside the UCAS side of the house where people maybe aren't running a? Con- I mean, the the line between UCAS and CCAS is blurred. Let's talk about that next. But you know, for your you know vanilla you know small small mid you know small medium enterprise you know company that isn't running a contact center making these decisions and thinking about these things you know it's like what's what's the other unlock that they get out of this you know and and dialpad has trademarked our our a phrase called truecast so having the the unified communications and contact center all in one platform but more than that even just instant messaging and you know being able to collaborate on one application instead of having to toggle back and forth between your drive and your desktop application and truly trying to put everything in one window uh from a dial pad perspective the ease of use um is something that that we take pride in um but you know being able to do do your daily functions of taking and making phone calls sending messages internally and externally, right? Maybe you're confirming appointments outside the company. I think, um, what was it? Uh, confirming appointments or even just, you know, sending uh, confirmations for you know, ticket numbers and things like that um, can all be done from, from one application. So I, to me, it's streamlining the amount of systems that, that some of these individuals are using every day and not having to have them toggle back and forth between 10 different windows or, or a bunch of different tabs. Um, trying to put all that right there on the screen. And and we are very much of the idea that you can, you don't have to have it all, right? You don't have to have it all at once. You can sort of work your way up to what you think you need. You don't have to have the full-blown contact center right away, right? If you're happy with your other solution, get your foot in the door with the UCAS. See how that works. Try that on for size. If it doesn't, no big deal. Um, and then we can go, you know, if, if you like it, things are going well, you can jump into the, the, the whole thing. But In the dial pad world, what's the difference between UCAS and CCAS? Great question. Um, you know, and, and I'll frame this around a question that I get a lot, 
uh, being on the channel particularly, I'm, I'm talking to partners and they're like, what's your ideal like deal size? And, and where do you see like the mix? Like what is what is the mix of Contact Center and, and UCAS? Uh, and typically it's that sort of mixed play where you've got maybe it's a 200 customer, 200 employee customer and they've got, you know, a 10 or 20 person call center. I think to your earlier point, the idea of a call center has gotten, has changed, it has evolved over the last three or four years because we're not in these brick and mortar 300 people sitting at a you know in, in a bunch of cubicles answering the phone anymore but the mixed play with you know some UCAS and then a, a small CCAS contact center uh, really is where we where we do well just because it, it gives it gives everybody best the best of both worlds but maintaining that single login for all the users um I'm not sure if I answered that question for you. In the Dialpad platform, what is the difference between UCAS and CCAS? Like, where's the line of functionality or or enablements or features or widgets or what? It, what you know? Yeah, like, and not to feature dump because I know we, we were just talking about that, and it's like, oh, this is cool. But like Dialpad as a platform, you will get transcription and recording regardless of your license type. So you have that data set available to you. This sort of blind spot in a lot of organizations about what are we actually talking about in these you know every day. Whether it's a voice call, whether it's a meeting, we will do that across the board. Let's talk about that for a second. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting point. Give, can you give me an example of that, of actually being used by a company to generate some sort of intelligence around their operations? Because your, your statement was, what are we even talking about every day? And like, what are we doing? Not to get too in-depth on the features, but there's a thing you can create called moments in Dialpad, where you can create a filter and tag all your competitors to it. So as you're going through all of, you can search through all of your conversations that are happening within the organization. You can stratify permission sets for whose visibility and as a manager, what you can see and things like that. But you can take those conversations and find out how often, you know, we, internally we're talking about competitors. Who's coming up most this quarter, last quarter? What do we need to do to, to change our approach in the market to say, okay, well, are we discounting enough? Are our spiffs where they should be? Um, really trying to understand those conversations, even the internal conversations that are happening. And this, Obviously, this is this is internal and external. This happens. Mm -hmm. Okay. You can turn it off if you don't want it on. Right. And again, you can stratify how you you know whose calls you want recorded, whose you want transcribed, whose you don't. You know, that's all the admin's role within the organization. But we you know we do it all the time for definitely competitor mentions, discounting. Um, you know, if there's deals that need to be closed, if it's if it's I'm not ready to sign yet or, or they kick the can down the road for whatever reason. We have phrasing that we recognize and we pull those reports for the sales team. And then that's a coaching opportunity, even if it's not a contact center, right? It's just an, just an AE that needs to learn how to close better. Providing that insight to that manager so they can then you know coach that, that person the same day instead of having to do it uh, you know a week later. Let's, let's wrap about this for a moment. So in a traditional sales organization, let's actually make it a little farther. Let's talk about revenue, right? So you have a marketing team and that marketing team is supposed to be driving awareness and inbound, you know, so MQLs into the business. And in the sales organization, you can either have an SDR or BDR that's attached to marketing or attached to sales, right? So you can, you know, that, that kind of goes back and forth. But so you'd have this like marketing, BDR, usually to an AE, to then maybe an AM. So, you know, sales development to account executive, salesperson to account manager, you know, relationship. Main, and then you've got maybe you have this handoff into an operations team for delivery, right? So like you've got kind of this pipeline through this organization. And um, there's lots of sales enablement tools, 
right? So you've got outreach, sales loft, you've got gong and chorus and all these different things to help give you conversational intelligence on top of like a traditional sales enablement platform, which is really kind of like your BDR and, and AE specific team. But then that doesn't really get licensed into the AMs or into marketing or into or into operations. I, I'm, I'm putting all that out there because I think it's important with the point that you just made is Dialpad gives you that functionality across every touch point that you have with a customer. So I'm hearing you say, like, if you've got somebody in your accounting department talking to a customer and the customer saying, so-and-so competitor is giving me this price option and they're having a conversation with finance, that's going to get flagged in your system if you've got that turned on? Correct. Correct. You can run, you can set these reports to run, um, you know, as frequently as you want, whether it's on an individual level, whether it's a team level, whether it's the entire office or the, you know, we, we call them offices, but the entire organization, right? Um, you can cast as wide a net as you want uh, to, to really truly understand, you know, what's being said. Okay. So that's an, that's an interesting little, like, something you could do that you couldn't do beforehand. So, um, okay, so we were going going back, we were talking about the, like UCAS versus CCAS. You're saying that UCAS includes the conversational, you know, moments. You were talking about moments of so being able to capture moments and the report on it. But where we where we start to see the contact center um, build out is more on those features, right? So we start with the baseline of the transcription and the call recording, which are absolutely separate technologies, by the way. So our transcription, our dial pad AI, as we call it, um, can be running in a meeting on a phone call and you don't have to record the call. A lot of the competitors that you were just mentioning are usually dependent upon that call recording where it'll get sent out and then it'll process it and send it back to you with the transcript, right? Uh, we do it in real time uh, and we have over 40 billion minutes of conversations, which I don't know if you could do the math in your head, a little over 7,000 years worth of actual conversational data simple questions like, hey, play this song or add this to my grocery list, actual contextualized business conversations. Um, but where, where that starts to take take uh, the next step is in the contact center license where we can do screen pops because of a keyword being mentioned. So if I'm in the billing team and I get somebody that calls in asking about a support question, I can put a, an assist on the screen for that agent to at least help that customer along even though they called the wrong place. Or if it's a newer agent or somebody that's remote and they don't know how to access things or, or how to troubleshoot right there on the phone, I can pop something on the screen for them. We call them real-time assists. That will then walk them through that process. So before they automatically escalate to a supervisor or go find their team leader, put the call on hold and go digging through their bookmarks to find something, I can put all that information including a link to that resource right there on the screen for them in the contact center space. Some manager functionalities are also different in there, but uh, you know, barge, monitor, whisper, uh, you can message them on the side, pretty standard call center functionalities. Dialpad's also doing a 12 month campaign for new AI features. And I'm happy to show anybody what those are as they come out. Uh, we started in April and the first one was AI recaps. So generating just a four sentence summary everything that was talked about in the conversation. So you don't have to read through the entire transcript. Uh, we're actually leveraging a private instance of chat GPT for that summarization engine. Um, but then this month's, uh, or I'm sorry, May's, May's AI release was AI scorecards. So automating the process for the call center manager of setting out the criteria ahead of time. So again, if you're a BDR team or sales development and they have to say these certain things in an order or they have to read some disclaimer verbatim at the beginning of a call, you can set that on a scorecard. So it automatically, once it's done, it checks it off. And even if you're only getting 40% of your grading you know, done automatically, that's 40% of your time you're not listening to that call. So you have the rest of that time to, you have that time back. I, I know everybody likes to say that these days, uh, especially with online meetings. Oh, we're ending early, I'll give you your time back. But, um, <laughs> you know, again, that one resonates with me personally because I used to run a sales development team and it was pulling those calls, listening to those recordings, 
for hours and just being able to automate some of that not only would have saved me time but it just it would have made me such a, a much more effective supervisor in that role i think the tweak that you want to probably say there or i would say is you know your goal as a as an sdr manager right is to make your team more efficient so that way they can drive more revenue for the business so if i'm if i'm playing my like hostile like coo guy role right um i think your pitch to me would be more along the lines of you know your your sales managers can get more you know can make your you know new hires and your sales team more efficient faster or like selling you know like that's so like okay you can't like quantify it right would probably be my follow-up to that which is probably pretty i don't know if you could quantify it or not but you could demonstrate it and say hey look you know this is what we see on our stats i've seen case studies and use cases uh there was one that actually really surprised me and this was this is a while ago but it was an auto dealership uh, that had converted over to, to dialpad um do you know this case study um and they were talking about it, it was specifically related to marketing intelligence and it, and it triggered in my mind because um, of what you were talking around, like conversational intelligence of people just calling in. And and, um, and it was, if, if memory serves, it was wrapping back up into like what their marketing departments are doing in terms of advertising and then service and service repairs and all these other revenue touch points that they were getting with their customers. Um, yeah. So there's a couple things we can do uh, in that regard. Um, you know, car dealerships, as we know, are, are extremely dependent upon surveys, right? They almost always ask you to fill out no matter what you're doing with them, whether it's in the service department, whether it's, you know, the sales, the sales guy that, that got you the car, uh, we can actually automate the CSAT scores that they, that they want to send out. So, you know, we obviously still do the touchstone one through five. That's pretty standard, I think across the board, but we found that the data that is driven from those is number one, skewed extremely negatively. And then also that, uh, the participation rate is extremely low. So not only are you getting low participation rates, you're also getting very skewed scores. Um, so we're able to to quantify you know, those conversations and grade those in real time uh, as they happen based on what was actually said in that call. So from a customer service perspective, being able to you know, understand the, the, cust the end user customer experience you know, pretty rapidly by automatically scoring a call based on the interaction itself is is something that that we rolled out last or year and a half ago um, and, and found found it to be great success uh, honestly um you know and, and think of it like i know we don't think of it as a call center but m most car dealerships have people that are calling outbound and, and prospecting or people that call in because they are responding to a lead uh, or some kind of campaign that that's been put out there um, not only can we capture what number they called so that way you know we can tie it back to that specific campaign or whatever you know the the outbounding was um, you know we can then also understand that entire customer journey as they go through that process is that the use case you're talking about yeah so so i mean okay let's, i mean customer journeys are interesting you can generate customer activity either by calling so you, have, you you know a classic sdr function people cold calling or you can be marketing and um you know to new new customers prospects or to existing customers right for them to call in when when you start talking about capturing that customer journey end to end like you know, what's an example of like intelligence or you know enhancement what's the word i'm looking for here you know it's like oh we were we had this you know previously this is how we did it and we didn't have this and now we do it this way and we have this other thing which is awesome for us you know sure self service i find is is a is a hot topic uh, in that regard being able to find your own answers um you know we all have been victim of the chat bot that goes in circles and doesn't help you but what if you apply another layer of intelligence that can not only remember what a good answer was so if, if i ask the question it gives me the right answer i go on my way but then when you call in max or you you message in remembers what it gave me as an answer and then it populates that because it got a good response or the chat ended because I found you know what I was looking for. 
um, you know, being able to see the things that the customers have asked questions about before through a true omni-channel experience. So one of the campaigns could be a Facebook, you know, messaging or Facebook um, ad that runs out there. Uh, we can capture that when they message in over Facebook, say, hey, I saw the ad, you know, and then capture everything that they've talked about in a single pane for whether the different ways that they've interacted, whether it is via the web bot, whether it's a social media platform, whether it's an email campaign, you can see the entire customer journey. So as an, as an agent, I'm not asking this person, Hey, how did you hear about us? I already know when they, when they, you know, contact us, regardless of what form it is. Um, you know, customer journeys, I, I've, I love seeing this stuff get automated and then also just populated for the agent. It's just the, con the context that it provides uh, to be able to have that better conversation and also get that person when they decide to escalate to a real live agent, getting them to their destination more quickly and more efficiently because you're not going in circles constantly. Big issue with, you talk about like um, virtual agents, you know, and chatbots and things like this is, is programming them. You know, historically, you have to go through and somebody has to program that chatbot with potential inputs and outputs. And then, you know, there's an inference engine that can then apply it. And then depending on how sophisticated the thing is. And, and now with LLMs coming on the market, I'm imagining these things are going to start getting really sophisticated really quickly. But within the dial pad world, like how are you, if, if, if you were either building out agent assist, you know, from a pop-up, you know, and I mean, this isn't like an instant thing. Let's say, you know, dial pad is running for within a company for six months and you've captured, I don't know, some number of calls, 10,000 phone calls, you know, 10,000 interactions. Um, is there a way for the customer to start seeing that and seeing those patterns and auto create stuff based on pattern that's dial pads capturing like is, how sophisticated has this ai and this reporting gotten to the point of it being like hey you know we looked at this and we read through the last quarter's worth of phone calls transcriptions and this is your fill in the blank top x items and like you know, here's how you, you know and solve this first one first or program it or change it or publish it or add it to your ivr or do whatever the thing is and then be able to work down that list and actually have you know kind of like a guided direction so i would say there is going to be some lift up front. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, and, and like you, even just changing out desk phones, right? There's going to be a little bit of a lift when, you know, we get started. And, you know, but most companies that we've worked with who, who decide to go with the real-time assists or, you know, provide those, those cards, you know, they've already got a three-ring binder that has every SKU imaginable in it. And those SKUs exist somewhere in a document. So at that point, all you're doing is copying and pasting, right? Uh, the, the configuration of these things is not coding. You're not having to go in and learn how to Python, you know, code this interaction into the database. You're literally copying and pasting what you want it to say, adding the attributes, whether it's the, you know, the SKU number, uh, some nickname for that particular product or the product name itself, and you hit save and you apply it to the team that you want to see it, you know, on there. Now, I will say going forward, we are, we are, we are attempting to automate those processes as well to the exact use case that you were talking about where, you know, over, over a quarter, we've seen these trends, or this is the most common word that we've seen come up. So this is important. Uh, we do have word maps that, that absolutely show you that information, but then you have to go and take that and make the decision on how to change the real time assist guard or, you know, update the talk track or the, the way that the, the self-service bot is configured because we can do those static if then statements, right? Are you looking for this? Yes. Okay. Here's your options, right? The, that, that's pretty standard. Um, but the really cool thing about our AI self-service is that it has the ability to scan multiple sources of unstructured data. So you can point it at a hundred page PDF and you don't have to say, I want you to pull answer, you know, the answer from paragraph three on page five, like it will go find that and then 
populate it for you. So there is some self-learning and self-correction that happens uh, as, is, as it continues to learn. Skynet's not self-aware yet, but we're getting close. Is Dialpad doing, I mean, this is, you're talking about like from the self-service bot. I mean, are you, are you doing voice interactions or is this all text? So the self-service bot itself is text, right? Um, but we do have the automated IVR workflows for, you know, tell me why you're calling today. I want to speak with a pharmacist or, you know, whatever. Uh, there is that component to it as well. Um, and even from the chat bot, you can escalate to a voice call if that was something that you were wanting to do. Should I be expecting to hear some announcements soon of, you know, Dialpad has gone to, you know, and, and leveraging GCP's dialogue flow or your own engine to actually make, you know, a, a, a voice-based IVA? That may be above my pay grade. Um, however, I would say that that's sort of the direction we're headed. Um, you know, our, our development team, we put 40% of our of every dollar back into R&D. Uh, because we feel like we're at that hockey stick moment, right? Where this is just—it's even in the last six months with ChatGPT, right? AI, everybody's talking about it, and we're in such a unique position to be able to continue to enhance these features um, that I, I think something like that is very much in the realm of possibilities. So now you have to exist inside of an ecosystem that's not—I mean, this isn't like um, what's what I'm looking for. You know, organizations are going to have some sort of productivity suite. You know, they're going to be—I mean. For all intents and purposes, they're either going to be on uh, Microsoft 365 or Google Workspace. And Teams has sucked a lot of the air out of the room from a, you know, text collaboration meetings and, you know, their voice platforms. We can get into an argument about whether or not Teams voice is good or bad. That's not really the issue. And Microsoft's plans around direct routing and Orchestrator Connect and everything else that they're doing. Workspace is a more interesting anomaly. You know, I feel like um, they're finally pushing and trying to figure out chat. But, you know, Slack exists because Google didn't have a chat thing that worked. And Google Meet has been pushing hard, you know, so now Google's actually working to create a, a really good video product as well. Um, you know, so these are two areas that were very, like, core inside of the UCAS experience and inside of Dialpad, right? You know, you've got your own video meetings tool and you've got, you know, a, 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 you know both a ability to SMS and chat externally as well as, you know, chat internally. And how, how do these, how do you guys coexist with these other platforms at this point? Like, what is, you know, what, what are customers really doing here? I mean, you know, do Microsoft customers abandon Teams because they want to use Dialpad for everything instead? Or you do you have to figure out how to cohabitate and then what happens with your meeting platform because all your fun AI stuff runs on top of your meetings and not on top of Microsoft Teams meetings or, you know, Google Workspace or, you know, fill in the blanks. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we, you know, just off the bat, we do have full integrations with both Office 365 and Google Workspace. So pulling in calendar events and, you know, active directory syncing with both platforms. So those contacts are, are pulled in at the same time. You're not recreating them within, you know, two different platforms, uh, being able to sync those the, that that data uh, absolutely you know uh, goes hand in hand with, with what Dialpad can offer, um, but no, absolutely. I mean, Teams is a huge one, and we have the direct routing integration. We have a secondary integration that um, should be you know released by the end of this year. Um, but being able to pull in those functions, and you're absolutely right that you know the meetings platform is a struggle because we can pull in the messaging and the phone calls, but you know, Microsoft obviously didn't want us bringing our own meetings platform into their instance. Uh, but I've seen it go both ways, too, because I've been on a call with a CEO who saw the full suite of Dialpad and said, why are we on Teams? Dialpad can do everything and more than, than Teams can uh, because we get all the data and the analytics right here within the application itself. But then I've also, you know, there, there's a lot of customers that are very much, they dig their heels in because they've invested so much in, in the, the Office 365 suite. 
that they're like, hey, you know, dial pad contact center is going to be standalone on the side, but everything else we're doing is going to be within Microsoft Teams. So it's going to go both ways. And it really just depends on the need of the organization. Because if, you know, if you're doing direct routing, there's licensing costs that are that are involved in that because you have to have the specific, you know, license types to be able to enact that. And if you're talking about a handful of users, maybe that's not a big deal. But if you're talking about an entire organization, maybe it does make sense to move over to Dialpad. It just kind of depends. So going back to like our earlier thing we were talking about and you were bringing up IT efficiency, right? So a big push for Microsoft Teams specifically is just IT efficiency. We've already got this application. It gets bundled with every install that we do. It's already on the desktop. We don't have to do anything for to now, it, right? right? Okay, fine. We can talk about it. No, it's um, okay. You know, uh, the, the, the power of the bundle is pretty significant. And let's see. I mean, if even if the EU forces Microsoft to debundle Teams... I don't think that they could force Microsoft to charge people to use Teams. They would just have to install it separately, right? So, so okay, so Teams gets removed from the 365 like Office bundle, but it's still free for an organization to use, and it's going to still deeply integrate with SharePoint and everything else that 365 is doing. And you just have to deploy it with your Intune instance anyways. You're like, okay, or install Word and install, install Teams. I, I, we'll see. We'll see what the EU does with this one. But um, I'm sure there's lots of people that would, would, would love for something to happen there. But anyway, so so that that like push to like IT efficiency, you know, that's I, I, that is a big push with Teams. Like, it's not a cost driver, by the way. If you don't know this, Teams is expensive, right? So voice enabling Teams and doing meetings in Teams, it's not cheap. Like, it is expensive. It's not there's there's cheaper options out there if you're trying to optimize for for cost. Teams is probably not where you want to go. But it has the whole, oh, we already have it on. It's already running everywhere. We don't have to do anything. It's easy for our team to, IT team to manage from a single console, in theory. You still have to do a bunch of PowerShell and all this other fun stuff. I feel like the more I've pushed you on some of these things, the more that that's come back to it, which is exposing and being able to report and provide analytics and, and, and kind of like opening up this other untapped element of data that people don't currently have. Like nobody's profiling their Slack instance for conversations inside of their company for what's actually going on. Nope. Nobody's doing that for teams. You know, there's DLP tools looking for people trying to like exfiltrate stuff they shouldn't, but it's not like this is what your company's talking about. I, I find that very kind of interesting here of, of like, you know, why should you care about doing something and running a dial pad or running, you know, UCAS, XCAS, CCAS, TrueCAS, BlockCAS, right? As a platform, <laughs> couldn't help it. Um, I don't know. Like it's, you know, it's like, so that's, that's interesting to me. You know, it's like all of a sudden you say, Hey, you know, uh, business leader, you know, do you know what your people are talking about? Not like in a, like a creepy spy, I'm going to spy on everybody way, but like, you know, what's going on with the market? What are customers asking for you? What are they saying? You know, um, I'm assuming you guys, I think you actually know the answer to this question. You guys do sentiment analysis. Is that in just in the CCAS or you get that in the UCAS side of the house as well? Uh, UCAS and CCAS have the, the, Oh, Really? Sentiment analysis. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So if somebody calls up and is just like calling an extension in your office like randomly and like starts like swearing at the person, you're going to be able to flag like something happened here. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and and I think, you know, even to that end, you ask the question around like, like how many, nobody's really running these reports. Nobody's really doing this. Um, I, I just, it, to me, it's always been a blind spot in these, regardless of the, you know, whatever the organization is. Being able to understand the call habits of a rep that's calling into an IVR and they only hit the IVR and then they hang up. Typical typical call center or typical even even just on the UCAS side, before that it was just peg time peg counts and timers, right? You knew how many and how long. Well, what did that person actually do when they got to the menu? Did they hang up and then say, Yeah, I made a hundred dials today, but they were all ten seconds long? 
being able to understand that that's a coaching opportunity. And even if no, no, keep going. I'm, I'm, I'm just like my, my. Now I'm churning. I'm now we're onto something here, Dan. Like let's, this is this is getting interesting. And now I, I want to tie this back to sort of the conversation around the training element, but then also you know how do you talk to somebody internally, regardless of title? If you can train someone up or train them out because you understand their habits, because they're not taking the coaching. You know, think about it now. You hire somebody, you give them a six month runway to figure it out, and then you put them on a pip because after that they're not performing. You give them another three months to get the 90-day pip going and figure that out. You've wasted almost a year trying to get that person up to speed. But if we can shorten that cycle, give them the tools they need, and you're making a decision within the first six months as opposed to the first year, you're saving that company X number of dollars for that new hire. And maybe I misrepresented the story, but that's one of my, one of my reps always likes to tell. There's this, like There's a certain thing that I see with like, with like especially with the work from home and remote, where it was like, oh, we have to monitor and keep track of what's going on with our people. And I hate that. I'm not a fan for this. I'm not trying to say, like, do screenshots of people's desktops and, like, monitor them. Because, I mean, again, you have to go back and, like, figure, you know, like, what, what are you doing? Like, just don't do this. There's, there's better ways to, like, score and measure productivity. But what I think, what you just said that really was fascinating to me, that really triggered a, a, a thought process for me more than anything else was, like, organizations scale by identifying you know, creating lines of business, creating processes, understanding the input and output, hiring people to do the in-between of that, right? And whatever function it is, right? Or I'm going to get, I'm going to get cream for this one because I'm distilling people into like robots, right? But, but then as you scale that company and that organization, right, you have absolutely no idea what's actually going on, right? So it takes a long time to build goodwill and a relationship with a customer and it takes one interaction to kill it. And so you start thinking about it. It's like, well, every time a person from inside your company is on the phone call with an external anybody customer vendor government you know agency like whatever it is like what's actually going on there and not from a creepy way of being able to like surveil everything that's happening inside of your company more along the lines of something really went sideways on this phone call and like maybe you should know what it is you know i mean that sounds like a really interesting piece of mind conversation like you know hey hey coo do you you don't care about your phones but would you care if your foreman is cussing out a 50 million dollar customer maybe maybe that maybe that would be interesting for you definitely and and the way that i like to think about it is the customer experience starts with your internal users experience and if they have 20 windows open and they got to find different information over here and over there, it's going to it's gonna be a longer phone call. It's probably going to be a follow-up or a second call resolution as opposed to that first call resolution. Uh, truly believing internally here at Dialpad also that the customer experience starts with our individual. Because if we're not doing our job, it's, it's a poor experience for the outside customer as well. So I think that's extremely relevant to the use case you just said as well, like just making sure that we're providing the standard of, of care and quality that our, our customers expect. Um, being able to quantify that, right? Brand is extremely important, you know, to any organization. Or we, we know the big behemoths out there in the world uh, when you get your coffee, when you order something online, like there's a certain service level that we're all accustomed to with those different organizations. And it's like, if you have an off-brand experience, you you tweet at them or you, you fill out a survey and they give you rewards points or they send you something else because it was that bad. It's that important to them that the end user experience is is good. And, and I think, I think spot on with that, with that executive to say like, this is what your you know, foreman's doing. How does that reflect on the brand? How does that help your, you know, your organization as a whole, or how does it hurt it? I think that's a huge, I'm going to have to steal that because that's, I think that's extremely important. What other information are you gleaning out of data, you know, within, within this platform, right? We've, we've talked about it in terms of like, 
you know, um, agent assist and cards popping up of like, you know, this, this caller is calling about this thing. And like, here's an answer to the question before you have to go look for it. You know, talked a little bit about programming chatbots. We've alluded a little bit into, you know, chat GPT and driving these interactions, but like what, what other like examples? I mean, cause you think phone system and everybody immediately goes to like a CDR. Like I want to know who called who, when, and how long the call was, but that doesn't really, CDRs don't tell you anything. They're just like a, it's a, it's literally a billing record, right? So things of data and analytics, have you seen people use? Or, or, you know, you wouldn't immediately think about and go to. So my sales reps are traveling constantly. Um, they're on the road. I have one sales rep that will drive anywhere under 10 hours. He's, he's unreal. But he's constantly on meetings in the car and he has to be hands-free. So being able to host his meeting and not have to pull over and take notes because the transcript is running. So if he says, oh, you know what, I'm on, I'm on the road. When I get to the hotel, I'll send you that information. Tags it as an action item, puts it on his profile. So that way when he gets the summary, not only does he have the entire conversation summarized in four to five sentences, he's got a list of action items that he can complete or send out to the rest of the callers to say, hey, Dan, you said you were gonna follow up with some tech- technical documents. I'm gonna send him a quote, let's get this done. So when he's stationary, he's got all that stuff right there for him. So our dial, that's our Dialpad meetings platform. I mean, he's on, like I said, he's on the road constantly. So being able to do that hands-free, not have to worry about missing notes, right? It's a valuable tool that we use internally all the time. That's a fun one. Right? Yeah, it's not, we're not, this is, this is different, right? We're not having a speeds and speeds conversation here, right? This isn't like, uh, I'm hoping at this point that Dialpad can make and receive phone calls and have voicemail. <laughs> so like, let's, I want to talk about that. <laughs> Table stakes, right? I mean, the, yeah. And and that's the thing. Um, you know, it's, it's trying to find those, those things that people need that they, they haven't thought about yet. You know, that they're just kind of used to doing things a certain way and how can we make it easier for them and ac- accessible. Being able to access your own your own call recordings and transcripts to find out, oh, you know what, that call didn't go quite well. Let me go review that myself, instead of having to wait for somebody to point it out to you. Um, you know, giving yeah, you I mean, the somebody, tools to do these things. Somebody replacing a phone system and looking for the cheapest option to replace a phone system is very different from telling them, I can help your sales team be more efficient and do these things that you can't do today. I can help. I can help you scale customer interactions and preserving your brand. Right, like that's that's an, that's an interesting non-technical outcome that people care about. Absolutely. And honestly, like, I mean, we'll disqualify a deal. I mean, if, if somebody's just looking for dial tone, we're most likely not going to be the right fit for them. Right. And we'll tell them that because go. I used to work for a telco that did POTS lines. Go get a POTS line. If that's all you need, get some copper and, and, and we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you later. But, and there's, you know, some people, there's businesses that can run that way and that's fine. And, and we, we're not a fit. Um, it's really the outcomes that people are looking for that, that that's where we want to deliver because it, it provides the value, it provides the, the monetary you know implications for them trying to wrap our heads around where we're going and, and, and what they need next. So uh, this is a feature question. I'm not sure if Dialpad does this or not, but something I saw recently, and it was um, actually I had two. I had two. I had two experiences recently that were really surprising to me. One was I'd called into a company and went through a phone tree, and then ended up like being directed to voicemail, and I, I hung up the call, and I got a call back in a couple minutes with like you know, hey, I'm returning your phone call. You know, and it wasn't like I called into like an individual person's voicemail. Like, and so, so it was surprising me because the company, you know, this, this, I wasn't expecting this organization to have like nobody's ever called me back when I've hung up a call, like calling into a, you know, any company ever before, ever. So that one was shocking to me. And then the second one, it wasn't like I had called and like, she, like a person, had, she had missed the call and like called me back from her cell phone or something. It was like you could tell it was actually integrated in the system. So that was, that was pretty cool. So you, is there, is there an option to do something like that with Dialpad? Yeah. So I, I place test calls into my system all the time. So that's what I do. I demo all day long. 
Um, and if I dial it and, and, I, and I hang up, as long as it hits the menu, it will show as a missed call. You can set the parameters for how long a missed call actually is, right? Anything over the internet is going to take a second or two because you got to make the three-way handshake right for the connection. Uh, but yeah, we can absolutely do that. And then uh, if you leave a voicemail or if you hit the voicemail, it's going to show as a missed call because somebody didn't answer it. So um, that's still like manual driven. I mean, there's, there's uh, what was the feature of most contact centers? Virtual hold, my favorite thing of all time. Like you, you don't have to wait in queue. You can just press the button. We'll call you back when it's your turn. Can you can you insert missed calls into virtual holds? You know that, I don't know that off the top of my head. I want to say yes, but I, I don't want to speak out of turn. I'd have, so to, the, I'd have to look at that. So the other one I'm starting to see now and I've had, and I've, I've seen this in a few places where you call, and maybe it's after hours. Office is closed. They don't answer the call, whatever. And an automated text message comes back. Sorry, we missed your call. And and it's not again, it's not person driven. This was an absolute one hundred percent automated, like with with a kind of like a menu prompt, almost like a chatbot of like you know directions, hours, you know, like some basic stuff in the initial message, but then like additional information to get more details out of them. Is this? I mean, also, you know, you talk about like interactions with Facebook Messenger and like these different things. Can you? You know, is this something that you're supporting? You can roll out and you can start talking about because I mean, this this goes back again to like just capturing. It's so hard to to get somebody to call you as a business, and you don't want to lose them when they finally do. So first things first, we can do you know the automated callback if you opt into it. So I just want to clear the air on that one. Now, if somebody hangs up before that gets there, I don't know about that. I'll have to, I got it down. On my, if we were on a dial pad meeting, I'd have a action item to follow up with you. Um, but the automated text, you know, thank you for calling. It's, you know, it's after hours or you know, nobody's available. Yes, automate that text message sent out. They can reply to it. And that text will then go to that main line of that, you know, call center or that department or that UCAS user, depending on what level, you know, wherever they called. Um, but yeah, then, then from there, you're still gathering more information, right? And I think if I just hung up and it said, or, you know, if I dialed in and it says it's after hours and it automatically sends me a text message and I'm still looking at my phone, I'm going to reply to that text message and say, oh, here's the information you're asking for. Is that something that's built into the CCAS side of the house? Or is that available also on the UCAS side of the house? It's available on the UCAS and the CCAS because I can set that on my personal number as well to say, here's my automatic text message after hours. You know, here's my boss's number or here's the guy that's on the West Coast. Whatever that looks like, I can go ahead and auto I can populate that information to go when my working hours are over. I have, okay, I'm going to give you a scenario. I'm going to give you a situation. And I, and, and I think I know the answer to this one, but I want to hear it from, from you directly. I know a guy who um, uh, runs um, public storage. He's got a lot of self-storage facilities. It's not public storage, but it's you know self-storage facilities. And um, uh, basically there was a conversation about how he, he discovered that his... Um, you know, his, his team, his staff, you know, so they, they spent a lot of money marketing to get people to come rent um, storage units from them. So billboards, advertising, Google, whatever it is, right? So there's a, a significant amount of advertising that goes out into getting people to come in and, and rent these things. They try to automate as much of the process. You can go to the website and you can rent by yourself, yada, yada, yada. But there's a lot of scenarios where you end up calling and you call and you speak to a person. And what he discovered by accident was people were calling in to rent units in facilities and that unit was unavailable. It's like, oh, we want to run it eight by eight. Oh, we don't have any eight by eights. And and his employees were not saying, but we could give you a ten by eight. We've got these seven by nines available, or whatever you know, whatever these variations were. And so he discovered this, and his response to it, of course, was like, um, uh, you know, 
<laughs> extreme concern, we'll use that phrase, and started recording every single phone call that was going into these phone numbers for the, you know, that, that were being answered by his team and started listening to every single call to do. And it was, a, you know, it was a coaching driven activity, but like now I don't know what I don't know and I need to know what I don't know. And I got to listen to all these phone calls and I'm hoping he was listening to them sped up and not just like, you know, like wasting his life because this guy had much more valuable things to be doing with his time. So if you were at a dinner table and you heard somebody say this to you or you heard somebody talking about this, what is your, I mean, and you put your dial pad hat on, like paint a picture of a different world and how this works differently with dial pad. Sure. So I would start asking him, questions around how much time and effort goes into that particular activity because i want to hear one of the one of the tips i got early in my sales career was ask somebody what's going well because inevitably they'll tell you like one or two things that are and then they'll tell you three things that aren't like oh but this could be better you know and and you get the conversation started and you start to understand what their problems are without asking them what their problems are because they'll start telling you things even just voluntarily because you want you're asking them about the positives and then inevitably It'll, something negative will come up. So I would start asking, you know, just questions around, first of all, how much time that's taking him and then what it would mean to him if he could ramp those individuals up or or provide suggestions in real time to to save that conversation or save that customer from going somewhere else where they have eight by eights available. Um, that's that's how I would do it. Because then he would say, oh, well, that'd be great, you know, I, but how do we do that? And I could say, oh, well, I can show you. But then you can also, you know, see the in the in the contact center space or even in your your UCAS space, being able to see like a stack ranking of who's talking for how long, what are the sentiment trends, right? The up and downs of the of the week, being able to see that information, uh, so you can make decisions on again coaching up or coaching out, right? If you need to get rid of somebody and, and get a better somebody better suited in there, you know, what kind of value would that bring to your organization to know that you've got at least you got four rock stars here that that just need a little a little push, right? And giving that that real time assist or giving them more con- consistent feedback, what kind of a difference would that make? That's my answer. So he had a very he had a very fundamentally core vision, you know, issue, right? So he had he had um, his core issue was he was losing revenue. Mm-hmm. And then there was like, what was actually causing, what was the root cause of losing revenue? But like really the, th- the issue here is what he was looking at is, you know, in the real estate space, you know, the, the valuation of your properties is based on operating income, right? So how much revenue do you have coming in the door? Like has massive swings in terms of what the value of the asset becomes. So his, his basic problem was that he was losing revenue. He was spending money on marketing and he wasn't capturing the revenue that he was spending the money on marketing for and didn't have a way of quantify how much money he was actually losing. So there was this fear around the perception of I'm losing an unknown amount of money but i know i'm losing money and how much how much money are we actually losing here like what is his actual impact to the business and the asset and like from that fork there's almost like there's like two things that you solve in technology right we talked about with dialpad the first thing that you solve is like can you give that agent a prompt when somebody calls in and says are there eight by eights available and they're saying no there's no eight by eights you know eight by eight available or 10 by tens or 20 by 20s or whatever it is you're talking about using an agent assist and prompting that agent to say but wait there's more you could have this other thing instead right agent assist or two actually giving him analytics and sentiment which says this is what happened with these calls and this was the disposition of the call person called in they got what they needed they didn't get what they needed they they leased a unit they didn't lease a unit you know and what is that actual analytical trend of it right so capture more revenue make your agents more efficient you know training opportunity live but also actually being able to quantify and say what the heck is going on with all these calls because you know, you can't listen to, you know, 500 calls a week. Like, it's just not going to happen for them. Yeah. So, and, and I'm, I'm, I love this use case. I think it's extremely relevant. And Dialpad does have a place at, at, in this example. 
the next two AI features that we're releasing are called AI Playbooks and AI Coaching Hub. AI Playbooks is a talk track generate, uh, a, sorry, an AI generated talk track uh, that, that shows up on the screen. So instead of just having the real-time assists, which are great, the next best action for this call. So to that example, if eight by eights are gone, okay, well, we don't have any of those left. Okay, then what? Pop the next, th- you know, pop the next line item on that particular you know, screen or the side panel that says, try and try a seven by nine, try a 10 by 11 or 10 by 10, whatever that looks like. Um, so that next best, best action that's appearing right there live for that agent. And then the coaching hub is how you take all of this information and present it to the coach, to the manager of that of that group to say, this is who's performing well, this is the sentiment trends, these are the most common phrases, these are these are the call outcomes, these are the most common, you know, these are the most common outcomes, these are all the dispositions. Centralizing that into a hub for the coach to say, you know, even just to report to their supervisor, this is how we're trending, this is what we're doing, right? Use case fell right into my lap because that's exactly where we're going the next two months. Is this can you do this both on inbound? And outbound because you have an outbound. So, so this is the same thing. So, if you're doing outbound prospecting, you get this data. You can you can surface these things. You can do assists. You can do you know eventually you'll be able to do, so playbooks are available outbound. Playbooks are available. And now this is cool. Okay, took us a little while to get here, Dan. But this is this now becomes this isn't a phone system. This is a make more money for your business system, right? Like it's uh. I'm coming up. I'm yeah, you can't fit that on a car. You can't put that on a billboard, though. Right? Yeah, yeah. We, it, it's not very elegant, right? You need something a little more elegant. We'll, refine, right? we'll have to refine it. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with something. I'll trademark it, and I'll, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll sell, sell it back to me. Right? Yeah, yeah, I'll sell it to Craig. Um, so this is actually... Okay, so now this gets very interesting, because now we're talking about like capturing data and analytics internally and externally to then figure out what is actually going on we, you know, not like the subjective, we think this is happening, but what's actually really happening. Um, being able to do sentiment analysis against that. Are people happy? Are they not happy? Was the call good? Was the call bad? Are we offering up cells? Do we not? Are we prompting, you know, things like we're having this problem? Like, see now, see, this is, this is, those are more fun conversations. See, we've, we've gotten to the business side of stuff. It, it took us a little bit, but we got there. So we'll, let's go back to my first thing, right? You know, we're, we're talking and I'm a, I'm a grumpy COO and I say, I don't care about my phones, right? Well, your follow-up would be something more along the lines of, well, do you care? about making more money <laughs> you know like i mean probably not that hostile that's a really probably not not wise not wise kind of response all right depends on but the persona but yeah if i'm a grouchy uh you know construction ceo maybe maybe that is the appropriate response very interesting okay what else is on the roadmap for i mean have you announced how how much of of this ai roadmap has been announced like how much you know it seems like to a certain degree i mean i'm sure i'll be surprised but like in terms of like features there's there's only so many features you can introduce to a phone system. I mean, at that point, it starts talking about like how you use those features and how you use the data and what the analytics and now in your case, like AI and how you can enable more things out of this AI engine, right? Yeah. Um, so officially, the four that I've mentioned, the AI recaps, the AI scorecards, the coaching hub and the playbooks, those are those are the four that have been released. Now they've given us a couple others that, that are, they don't have due dates yet. So I, they haven't really told us like when we can talk about them yet. But you know, I have a feeling, given that our third one's going to be released here in the next ten days or so, before the end of June, um, that they'll have to tell us something because everybody keeps asking me that same question. Okay, what's next? What's happening? Like, what, what can we talk about? <laughs> um, but no, I just I think you know, and and it may not even be an internal feature enhancement, right? It could be another leveraging of a third party to make make more out of the data or make it more concise. Or you know, we have this plethora of of information with our number of analyzed minutes, but like. What can we do with that to provide better outcomes and help 
customers make more money, right? To, to, to tie it kind of all back together. Um, but yeah. They... I would love it if you guys released some sort of agent bot integration. I don't know what, what the proper terminology is. You know, so when somebody sends me a Teams or a Zoom or a WebEx or a, I mean, endless variation of different meetings, that data could be captured for me out of those meetings as well to like one place. I didn't have it in 15 different places. Because as much as I try to control like what video conferencing platform I'm on just for my own sanity, like, you know, it's each, each I could be on eight in one day. Like it's no joke. Yeah. And, and that's, that's kind of the, I would say the one drawback, right? We don't, we don't lay over onto a bunch of other technologies, right? The Dialpad AI is, is proprietary, but that's my official feature request. Tell them to figure out how to do it. You're not the <laughs> only one, but um, great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it's it's gonna stay within the Dialpad meetings platform, and okay. that may be some of the allure to it, right? To to get people to come over. But Dan, any last words? Anything we haven't touched on that you think we should talk about and and get into, or or something that we glossed over that you know we should probably spend some time on? I'll, you can't uh, spell Dialpad without AI. <laughs> Somebody dropped that on a. <laughs> Although it's backwards, but it's it good. is backwards. It is backwards. So uh, it is not. It is not dial pad. It's dial pad. But um, <laughs> but no, somebody dropped that in a meeting a couple weeks ago, and and I've just it's it's great to see people's eyes roll when when I say it. But it's the perfect dad joke if you're in tech. It's just so funny. <laughs> but no, I mean, uh, just dial pad truly thinks of itself as a as an AI data company who happens to work in the telephony and, and communication space. So. For now. For now. Soon to, to take over the world when Skynet activates. Right. <laughs> All right. Dan. Enjoyed this conversation. 